Welcome to Courageous Conversations with your host, Richard Dolan, a world-renowned speaker, mentor, and coach to many celebrity icons and global thought leaders. Listen as they share their stories and insights about what it takes to lead a courageous life, from overcoming adversity to living with purpose and meaning. Each guest brings a unique perspective that will leave you feeling empowered and motivated to make positive changes in your own life starting today. Let's welcome my very good friend and now all of yours, Braun Studio, Google, all of you guys in the house. Let's give a warm welcome to my friend here, Steve Aoki. What's up, buddy? What's up, guys? You keeping well, man? Yeah, you know, I feel actually more busy at home than when I'm on the road, to be honest. Well, I don't even know how you do it because you don't seem to be a man that rests, a man that stops, or a man that even catches a, a snooze or two. <laughs> I mean, when I'm on the road, it's just a different schedule. Because people understand, and and like my time zones are so switched up that it's like I just my my priority is playing shows, and then like my second is obviously everything else. But when I'm home, then I have stacked meetings. Like my whole days are pretty much filled. I'm on the same time zone, um, reliable with doing stuff like this. Um, it's allowed me to really venture outside of just, uh, you know, what my mainstay was for the last 15 years. No. And, and listen, we got lots of ground to cover. And first and foremost, I want to acknowledge you, Steve. I know you've been busy. I've been in touch with you, especially since the pandemic started. And uh, I know what it takes for you to carve off some time to be with me and our friends from Braun and Google, uh, Legacy and friends around the world. Let's just start there then. Like what, what, what is it that you would judge a city by? What, what, what would be the, the markers or the milestones or the makeup for what, what would constitute a really great city to play in versus one not so great to play in? Um, I, I, well, the energy for sure from the crowd. That's what I play so many shows. I was doing 250 shows on average every year for 15 years. Like this one year I dropped down to 200 because I had the surgery. But um, besides that, I've just been consistently doing that many. But it's, it's because every time I play, it's a brand new energy. And what I've realized, it's really zoning and connecting with certain people in the crowd that are giving me their full attention that know the music that are educated with what I'm what I've put out and have a feeling with it. They share their life experience in that moment. And when they kind of give themselves to that experience or be vulnerable to that experience, it's literally the best feeling in the world. But you compound that, you know, with so many shows and so many different cultures and I love the fact that I could play to so many different languages without having to necessarily speak the language. Like to be able to connect with people, to not even have, we don't, we're not even communicating like this, but we're, we're so emotionally connected in that moment that it's like, that's why I'm alive. You know, like it's the most human feeling you can possibly feel is that connection. And like, you know, I know that person traveled, waited, paid that money and waited in that front of that show um, and, and spent their time to get there and all that just to have that experience. Like, I know that feeling, you know, I, I've been there. I'm that same kid feeling that. So it brings me back to that and it brings me back to that kind of, that genuine kind of uh, connection. And uh, yeah, so I look for that. Whenever I play, wherever I play, I look for like that, that kind of genuine connection. And um, 
you know, at the end of the day, also, I love traveling to places that I've never been, being able to connect with people through music um, to places that, that, that you would never expect. I love going to Tokyo. I love going to the places that I always go to, but like going to Kathmandu and playing there. And I remember when I played there, it was, uh, they said that only like two other artists, music, like international music artists played there. It was like Brian Adams and Ryan Adams or Brian Adams, one of those guys and, and uh, Bruno Mars. So I was definitely one of the first DJs <laughs> any, to do a big so concert cool. there. So that was, that was incredible. Yeah. That's cool. You know, I've often said in, in conversations, and we've got lots of ground to cover, and I've got a real good surprise for you at the end. So so hang in there. We were we're we're on our way. Um, and, and I love you and the team, and and of course, you know, from from Dougie, of course, and, and and Matt. I mean, just grateful to the guys for being so amazing with with us to get this done, Steve. Um, but I've often said that confidence is borrowed, it's never owned as a performer, a speaker, an actor. And so when the audience generates it, when they create it, 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 it causes you, it creates you. So the, the more hype the audience, the more hype you become, whether you're a speaker or an author or an actor or a musician in this particular case, a DJ as you are, and, and both of which you're respected as. Um, where did you learn that from? Do you feel that given who your, your dad was, and, and God bless him, Given the performer he really was, do you feel it may have been learned or is that in your DNA? What do you think, Steve? 100% it's learned. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, uh, before I was a DJ, I was in bands. And, you know, when you're a 15-year-old kid and you're going to shows and, uh, you know, like you see, I was going to parkour shows. So when I was a kid, I was seeing like kids around my age that allowed me to feel like, hey, the barrier of entry to be on that stage is actually not so high where I can't do it. Like, I remember going to see Michael Jackson and, you know, he was a god. So, like, as a kid, I'm like, you're like, you, the aspirational goal to be on that stage is, is like, impossible. Like, like Michael Jackson is, like, one in a billion. Like, it's just like, like, that's, you can't be there, you know? It's not accessible. Uh, but when I started going to these hardcore shows and I'm like, literally it's 15 people in the crowd. I'm one of them. I'm like the 15th person in the crowd. And like, it's, they're just having fun playing music and like just expressing themselves, you know, they, like, it's not like you have to have singing lessons to go scream on a mic. Mm. So, um, I, you know, I got together with my friends, I'm like, Hey, we can do the same thing, the same thing too. Like, we don't know how, how to play. We don't know instruments. We know this, but let's get together and let's start trading instruments that's what we did i played bass you know i learned how to play bass and then i switched off with my friend and played guitar then we switched off with a drummer and soon like i was able to record my first demo playing all the instruments and singing a song and writing the music by the end of by by the time i was 16 and uh and then i was playing shows in living rooms in our like parents houses uh in front of like five of our friends emulating what we would see at the shows that we would, we would all go to. And, and that's where it started to be able to play in front of five of your friends. And I would literally act like, you know, I'm like in a living room, like five friends. And then there's like parents in the background. And then I would be like, Oh my God, we made it guys. We did it. We got to the stage. You know, like making a speech, like, like I'm playing for like a, like a thousand people, you know, I'm just like five of my friends. A legend and, in your mind. A legend be, in your mind. Be, before I would even play the show, I would tell them the lyrics. I'm like, listen, here's the lyrics for the song. I want you guys to sing along this part. But like, it's like role-playing almost, you know? But in, in a kid, I wasn't role-playing. But I was like literally role-playing. Like, here's the lyrics. 
And when I sing, I want you to sing along. Like, you know how we do at the shows, right? So like, let's do it, you know? And then like, I would sing the part, like, okay, here's the breakdown, you know, the song and the lyrics come out. And I'm like, and I'm like, all right, your turn, come on. And they like jump on me, like as if we're in a show and they grab the mic and sing it. And like, I felt like I was a singer on the stage. I'm like, oh man, that feeling is so good. I and, love it. And that goes from five to, you know, literally six to 10, you know, like, I mean, these shows are small, like at the most 30 people would be, it'd be like a so like massive show. You but know? See, as you're doing that, and I can see you coming to life as a result of experiencing being alive, because for those who research you and watch your documentary on Netflix and understand your family's history, and, and, and you're not just a son, you're not just a brother, your mother is legendary, your sister is epic, your brother's amazing. I, I mean, aside from all the things one can learn about you, in that period of time, do you feel that you didn't need anyone to tell you to go do it, go get it, good job? Or did you did you get addicted? Did you get obsessed with? Or did you get attached to that sensation of feeling alive given those shows you were doing? I think, honestly, for me, it wasn't about anyone kind of guiding me. It was more about the mutual respect from the community. So for me, that community was my friends. We would see the shows. And the best part of the community that I was part of is that you get your cool points, you get your respect, not from like wearing like the most expensive sneakers or riding in on like the most high-tech bike or like flaunting, you know, like whatever it is, like the most expensive t-shirt or whatever it is that you're wearing. It's, it's about your contribution. You know, like we're such a, it's just a small scene that everyone that contributes that's meaningful to what we do. It's almost like a religion. We're like knocking door to door, like telling people about what we do. Literally, that's how you get your cool points. That's how, that's how you get your respect. So what do you do if you're in this small scene of like a few people? You write a zine, you interview bands, you go to shows, you take pictures, you put them in, a, you go to the Kinko's copy and you make a cool little pamphlet and you share that and you share like the community, what you're doing. You make music, you make a demo, you you like screen print t-shirts. Like that's, it's like all in the culture. Like I remember like at the same time I was, I was making a demo for my band and making music. I was in my mom's closet screen printing my own shirts that I was buying at the thrift stores for a dollar and selling for like $4 at the shows. We flip the shirts inside out and then screen print on the inside and then the, the actual old, you know, vintage shirts on the, you know, and then you have a brand new shirt, but it's upside down, but no one gives, no one gives a shit. You know what I mean? $4, make $3, you know what I mean? <laughs> so like, that's how it starts. And like, it's cool. It's like people want to wear the inside out shirt because you just saw this band and you like the band. And like, the more you contribute, the more you're respected. And then you want to contribute more, you know? And being young is a perfect time because you don't have the, 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 you know, the gripes and of real life struggle of like trying to pay rent and all the other stuff that you have to deal with when you're older. This is a time to explore, time to try all these different things. And your friend group is such a big part of that. So that was big for me. I love that you're sharing it. And, you know, for those who are just tuning in and hanging out, this is Steve Aoki, one of the world's most incredible, most talented uh, professional expertise, cake throwing, music taunting man, uh, <laughs> dear friend. Thanks so much, Steve. Hey, listen, you know, as you talk about uh, respect and you understand the importance of feedback from friends, 
it would appear as though, and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but you as Steve Aoki, not just the musical legend and a creative force, your creativity also finds its way in other places. If someone can actually say that in 2012, while you were the highest grossing, uh, you know, musical dance DJ in North America, you were also very successful, what people don't realize, in the record producer business and in the innovation business. And as we look at you right now, entering a different stage in your career, you still remain a quite creative force. Is it being creative that drives you and keeps you alive? Or is it wanting to remain relevant in the circles that you're in? Which of the Steves gets the better of you? I think it's the combination for sure. You know, like you always want to have relevance. I mean, the thing is, that's one thing I've seen through, you know, at least in the music space, there's artists 10 years ago that I thought were impenetrable. that were gods, you know, to me. I mean, they still are personally out of preference, but you know, a few years later, they're gone. You know, you see that happen time and time again. But why do you uh, think, Steve, not to interrupt you because I love you, but why? Yeah. Why do you think that is? How is it that they're gods today making massive imprints? I mean, burning into young souls uh, and old likely, but why is it that they just disappear like that? Why, why would you think they come out of that expression? The thing about music and artists in the space is that there's no roadmap. You know, like you just create and and also it's a you're a predictor. You have to predict. And if you predict well, you'll be relevant. If you predict and it's like, if you make if I make music today for today and I put it out later, I'm I'm dated. And if I do that too many times, you know, just like in life, you do that too many times, people are like they move on. You know, there's so many options out there. Period. Music's essentially free. So it's not like like you have to subscribe to it. You just, you like it, you feel it, you you go with it, you know? And if artists are consistent, like the Post Malones and the Drakes and the Weekends and artists like that, that are just consistently hitting the mark and driving the culture in the direction that they're predicting, you know, it's like, they're going to be culturally relevant. You know what I mean? So for me, I, I it's like my job personally as, a, as an artist to always, I have to think forward, but there's a lot of artists in the case that we're talking about that they don't like, there's no roadmap. Right. So they're like, I want to go way over here because I want to. And there's no reason that there's no like books that don't do that. You know, at the end of the day, a lot of these artists, they don't necessarily care if people follow them. They're like, oh, we're going to go regardless, you know, like a Radiohead or something like that. There's just kind of be like, we're going, we're, we're on a, we're a commercial. We're just going to go boom this way. And then all of a sudden they're, you know, I'm not saying radio, but like some artists, they, they're famous, gets smaller and smaller. And it's just like meant for a small group of people. That's all they really want. But they're not necessarily commercially relevant, you know. So I think that's what happens to some artists. Um, but for me, it's like, thankfully, I'm touring so much. And the crowds and the shows and the global culture of music has really informed me which has allowed my music to become more global, you know, which right. has allowed me to think like, okay, I want to create a bridge with K-pop. I want to create a bridge with Korea. I want to create a bridge with Latin music. I want to create a bridge with different cultures in a way that compounds our efforts into something much greater, you know? And, right. and, and uh, that's a true love. It's like, I hear something different. Like I remember I was in South Africa and I was in a cab and the driver was playing something that I've never heard before. And I was just 
I was like, we got to the destination. I'm like, no, let's keep, let's keep going. I need to like soak it in. You know, I think that's a really important thing is being present in the moment. I'm so lucky to be able to tour what I was that like every time that I could hear something or feel something or experience something new, I, if I'm not present in the moment, I miss the opportunity because they're all fleeting. They happen so fast and you could miss it. And it's like gone. Like It's like, Oh, it's, 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 that's what the normal state of affairs in, in this, in the area that I'm in. And they, they don't think anything twice of it. They're like, Oh yeah, we listen to this stuff or we do this stuff. I'm brand new. These virgin eyes and virgin ears are like soaking it in. So I have to always remember, Hey, I'm always a student. I'm always here to learn. It's allowed me to actually become more creative and more expansive. And that's a really great feeling to be able to connect. Like if you could make it, like I remember when I did the record with BTS, the, the mic drop remix, we hit billboard charts on that first remix. It was the first K-pop record to hit a billboard chart. Well, it wasn't expected on that level, you know? But like these kinds of things can happen when you do something that's like, whoa, we, we haven't heard like these two worlds coming together and then boom, you know? And, and you know, and if it, if it doesn't happen, it's okay. That's not, that, that's not my goal. My goal is just to make a fantastic song to me in the heart. And if I can feel it, if I, if it makes me give, it gives me the chills, I want other people to feel like, can you feel that too? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you just no, want to be no. like, can you feel it too? And if they're like, yo, I feel it too. I'm like, all right, sweet. And then like, once they feel it too, there's like the double chills. It's like, we connect on a more extraordinary level because we both feel something brand new together. And that's why I go back to the shows because I see it firsthand. You know, I'm the cook in the kitchen making the food and most of the time and the cakes and most of the times the cooks don't get to see the people eating their food. You know, like I get to watch people eat the food like, oh, this shit's good. You know, like, oh, sweet. You know, like I get experience it with them. So like it, it, it's a it just I feel very lucky. No, man, I love it. I know. Listen, but between goosebumps and virgin eyes, whatever you do in your spare time and behind closed doors, that's your business. I mean, that, that's not this kind of show there, Steve. Um, but with all kidding aside, you know, he's, you said a few things that I want to get segue because uh, this is gold. This is amazing. And this is a really wonderful journey into a really nice uh, conversation we're going to have, which will leave you wanting more. But you said the word predictor. You said the word true love. And if there's something about predictor, it, it would appear to me, Steve, is that as long as you're creating and you're serving the world with all the love you've got and all the affection you have for it, it allows you to constantly remain conscious to what it would take to create more love. You're always constantly creating so you can always and constantly create love, which is, which is found in your connection, whether it's music and such. Would you agree with that estimate? Absolutely. I mean, it's like, you love what you do, you want to keep doing it. If you do it well, you definitely going to keep doing it. At the end of the day, we all want to be quality service to people around us. That's, you know, whatever we do, we want to provide quality service. Right. No, absolutely. You know, that, that, that's like, it doesn't matter what you do. You want to like, whatever you put out there, you want people to like feel what they're supposed to feel from it, you know? Right. And, no, and if, if they, if it's extraordinary, then, you know, of course in the end, yeah, you'll make money. But like, if you put that in the front, it's like, that's the wrong approach. Right. So you just have to just make, yeah, you have to provide the best service that you can that to the people that you're the demo, like no, target your audience and understand that. And, uh, you know, like, just like in anything I'm doing, even in the music space, it's like we, you know, the, this music is meant for, meant for a scene like this is, 
I make a record specifically for festivals or the dance club, or the, the, the dance floors. And I, that's where I push that. I make a record more for streaming or more for this than we target them, you know? So, uh, it's knowing yeah, I mean, it's, it sounds like knowing your audience. I didn't mean to speak on top of you, buddy, but it sounds like just really know your audience and, and give them what they're looking for. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And yeah, it's just, uh, and momentum, momentum is what you're talking about, you know, like fall your love and, and keeping with that flow. Momentum's everything. Flow is a very real thing. There's no doubt about it. There's no, there's no doubt about it. When, when you're in the studio, like sometimes I'm in the studio for, for days and I can't, I can't like, I can't just keep like banging my head against the, the, the computer. I just can't, nothing comes out. That happens when you're just, you're just locked out and you have to complete reset and you have to do a cold plunge or whatever, you know, which is what I like to do before a studio session, just fill my, I have a bathtub outside to fill it with ice and uh, sit in it for five minutes and just like get my endorphins exploding in my brain and come out super energized. It's definitely a life hack for sure. No, Great yeah. life hack. And, and you share them all the time. I mean, you, you, you share a lot of the, the hacks. I mean, your, your passions for trading cards and, and Pokemon and your passion for family and staying connected to all those you love and cold baths. I mean, right now at this stage in your career, what are some of the things that you really are locked in on that is preserving and protecting your genius, your creativity, your passion for life and your ability to predict the future? What are some of the hacks you can share with us aside from the ice bath? I think, I mean, in general, like because I've been home, I've been able to practice what I've been, what I've always wanted to do on a consistent basis. It's just meditate, meditate every day. Um, I try to do twice a day if I can, um, but meditate. I do the, the ice baths uh, once a week, do breath work every other day, at least um, the Wim Hof method, which is a great app to follow. It's a great, just, you just follow his breath. And uh, you'd be surprised how long you can hold your breath. There's a lot of benefits on, on that. Um, I just started doing NAD like two years ago. So like I, I do NAD IVs just to power your, your, your cells, reduce inflammation. Um, a, a lot of the, like, you know, just it's not necessarily for creativity, just for like, just for overall health and wellness. I've, I've been really focusing a lot more on that since I've been home and exploring that and learning more about that. And I have a foundation, a charitable foundation, Aoki Foundation, which is focused on raising money and awareness for the human brain and all orgs that that support the human brain. Any org that that wants to advance the human brain, optimize the human brain, uh, find cures for the human brain, all things brain. Uh, I want, like you know, it's actually the foundation has been for a personal journey for me, it's been to be able to talk to these scientists and these researchers and sit in rooms where I'm finding out about breakthroughs before anyone finds out about them. It's a science fiction shit happening. It's fucking crazy shit happening. Totally. And it's crazy. So crazy that the Iron Man, like, you know, like people, there's a billion dollar industry on, on, uh, on science fiction, Iron Man, the Avengers, all this stuff. It's all based on our imagination of what we want to become. And a lot of those things are actually happening now, like telekinesis, the idea to move things with your mind. I am not like, I'm not, when I say that, I am dead serious. People can move things with their mind now, five, six years ago. Do you know how? No, I'm moving my, I'm trying to move my, myself right now with my mind. <laughs> okay. It, it's, you know, it's formatted. 
you know, because when you think of telekinesis, you're like Magneto, and he's just like, like things are like, like his mouse is moving up. Like, no, it's, you have augmented technology, you have AI in the brain, especially with people that can't move, people that are paralyzed. I saw the research. It's already, it's been out there. Like you can look it up. They have AI connected to their brain and fact check me on this. They think something over and over again and they're sitting there and they're thinking it and the chair moves forward. Their chair moves forward. They're able to move like they want to bring like a uh, food to them. So they're able to bring like a, uh, this like robotic mechanism that brings food to their, to, to their mouth. That's moving with your mind to the point where they can move things 5,000 miles away. They had someone that had AI technology in their, in their brain, and they thought about moving something, you know, in, let's say, I forgot where it was, like Italy to California. And they're in Italy. And, and in Italy, there's like moving the arm from left to right without saying it because they're using Wi-Fi. That's mm-hmm. fucking talking. That's the fucking science fiction shit right there, man. That's like people don't realize. Like, they're like, oh, yeah, I mean, like, you know, like, but really, that's science fiction shit that needs to be talked about. There needs to be more money, more, more eyeballs, more attention, and just more money into the space. And more, like, more eyeballs means younger people are going to start growing up. Like, I want to be a scientist. I want to do research on figuring out how to cure brain disease, Parkinson's, dementia, all this stuff that's happening. And I want to learn how to, you know, get to the next level of being a human species. How do we evolve to become the next level human species? No, Talk about it. things that are that are crazy that, that actually we could actually go from science fiction to science fact. I, you know, between you talking about Iron Man and, and, and Avengers, and I can see I can see you right now on a stage and, and you're zapping the audience with cakes, you know, just like just, <laughs> just cakes coming from everywhere. But, uh, you know, Steve, you know, it's amazing that the work that you're doing with the Steve Aoki Foundation and, and really wanting to enhance and empower and embolden research and science and insights uh, on human brain improvement and, and human brain wellness. What I love is that you're a living demonstration of it. When did you start really recognizing that your health and your wellness and your relationship to meditation and breathing was important for just who you were as a human being? Was there a moment that you had an aha what was was there a breakdown or a moment you said I, I got to really start taking care of myself or or was it just a a, a eureka? I, I had uh, vocal cord surgery um, five years ago, six years ago, twenty fifteen. Uh, because, uh, like I said, going back to when I was at the beginning, I used to be in a band. I used to like scream on a microphone, um, and I didn't know how to do that. Like it's I've, everything I've done has been like unconventionally or non non traditionally taught. So I kind of, I learned the hard way, or I didn't learn traditionally in a lot of the, the, the scopes of music, especially singing. I would just yell on the mic and like get, get crazy. But um, I destroyed my vocal cords. And then, you know, as I, you know, I, I translated over to DJing and then I was hyping the crowd and you're, you're yelling, like everybody jump, you know, like whatever it is, you're yelling all the time. And I just destroyed my vocal cords. So to the point where the doctor saw them and I, I, I had a raspy voice forever. Like, I was just like, I can't get rid of this raspy voice. It's like, yeah, well, you have, you have a huge nodule. You have to cut it off. So I was like, in order to cut it off, you can't talk for a month. Like think about not talking for like a few hours or a day. Oh my I mean, God. You, you can't talk for a month. People so, would probably be grateful if I couldn't talk for a day, but anyway, I, I mean, <laughs> that must have been horrible for you <laughs> but, for a month. Well, 
Okay, so even before then, I like before I I, I committed to it, I actually saw a like a, a life coach, like a co- a coach to like mentally prepare me. I was freaked out. I was like, what if I fall into some weird like depression hole and I can't like speak it out of existence, or if I get stuck and I'm like I feel trapped because you want to use your voice to get out, you know? Like I, I was I was I didn't want to do it, you know? I was like, oh fuck it, I'll just have a raspy voice forever, you know? I don't care. Yeah. And I just, you know, eventually, obviously I did it. And, um, during that time, you know, you know, I, I want to be productive, like wh- whatever I'm doing, I'm very productive. My whole pie chart of my day, my time management, the only way I could do all the things I do is I have a really great time management and I have really great team management. So when I was during this time, I, I couldn't talk. There's a lot of things I couldn't do. So I was like, okay, time to learn some new skills. And one of which was meditation. I was like, this is great. So then I, I, you know, I hired a, a TM coach. I was like, this is, this might be the, the great, uh, you know, first pathway into meditation. And, and she came over for a week and we did meditation for hours every day until the point where just like anything, you, you, you practice a habit over and over and over and over and over again. Then, you know, what I want to do is I want to get to the point where it's no longer a crutch. And, you know, it'll get there. Just you have to just that two weeks of weirdness of trying something new over and over again, or you don't want to do it. You just keep pushing it. You know, I just did that with this wonderful lady. And um, and then I just started practicing without her. Like, you know, she took the training wheels off and pushed me down the street. And and then I was like, this is fantastic. This is incredible. And And then I started, you know, I want to know the science behind it. You know, not just how I feel, because how you feel could be, you know, placebo. I want to know if there's real changes in my brain waves and my patterns. So um, I, I talked to some scientists and looked at the, I, I actually brain map my, my brain when I'm meditating. And I looked at some other research and it, it's like, it's clearly scientifically shows a real change in your brain. It's not just what, you know, people say, oh yeah, you're just sitting there. Like actually, it really has benefits to your brain. It's not just like you feel rested. Like I, I want, I want beyond that. You know what I mean? I always want to have that information and it actually helps my placebo effects even more if there is one, but uh, yeah, no, yeah. But that, that was a big, that was a big point. And then, you know, obviously the rest trickled out. But you see that right now. I mean, you know, one of my good friends who I think we both share is, is Deepak Chopra and, and Deepak was on me forever about getting grounded. And I said, dude, I, I, I grew up and out of the household not to get grounded. He goes, no, no, my friend, not that kind of grounded. And he, and he would tell me about getting grounded. And you recently had a post where you were literally in, in the middle of somewhere just sitting on earth. And, and that was really the embodiment of what it means to get grounded. Do you, do you practice that on a daily basis as well, given where you travel and how often you do? Like take the shoes off and walk around, feel the earth? Yeah. Try. I mean, it's, it's, it's very easy to do it when you're, uh, when you're in Europe. I mean, like, especially for me, when I, when I tour... Some for some reason, I don't know, maybe my 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 management or agent is nice to me. I always end up playing in some like amazing island or something. <laughs> so like you know, I'm always like on sand or the beach or something, like walking around. So it's like it's you know, um no, but when I'm it. yeah, when I'm playing shows, I I, I gotta put the shoes on though. You know, I'm uh, I'm rounding out the time that we've gotten, and you know, recently I was able to sit down with your team, and we we did a, a Google assessment on you, and we were able to summon thoughts, insights, and perspectives about just who Steve's been, where you are, and where you're heading. 
you know, many things were said about you. One of the things that stood out for me was um, Steve is the athlete of music. You know, he's the athlete of music because because the way you perform and the manner in which you deliver your your performance is quite athletic. Um, others, though, which was very intriguing, was was you were one of the most courageous performers of our time, willing to reinvent himself and his approach to being creative. And I found that one to be the most amazing because, I mean, you're, you're, you're working on film projects. Your team is busy reinventing and reapplying your brand, your association, your endorsement across uh, many industries. What haven't you done that you're dying to get to, given the stage of your career you've now revived in, my friend? All right. Well, I've learned my lesson and I never like to really share the real things that are really going to happen. Okay. Because it's the, the, the most beautiful thing is, is, is what some of the stuff is like as a surprise, unless like, it's, it's like it's going to drop, you know, like the, like some of the, the biggest kind of kabooms of, of like, uh, of introducing something have been like the way it's supposed to be right on the fly. Well, well, here, here. But yes, but I have some, I have some like amazing stuff. Of course, I always have like something, you know. No, it's true. It's true. You are. You're hyper creative. Like you're uber creative. You're always creating. You're always looking at angles. You're, and I mean, that's just my personal experience of you, which is why I, I've come to both now love and admire you. Is like you're, you're always looking. You're always looking at the future. Um, let me give you a kaboom. Here's one of the observations that our team has made. And, and, and one of which is, 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 and for everyone watching this, I'm now going to go on record for saying something that Steve doesn't know I'm about to say. And it, it's this, it, it's, it's not difficult to find Steve historically to have been considered a bit of an introvert, perhaps shy. Yeah. Steve, would you agree with that assessment? No, when you were growing up, when you were. Oh young. yeah. Yeah. Definitely shy. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't say an introvert, but I was kind of a forced introvert. Force introvert. Fantastic. Those are your words. Because I know Steve's watching what I'm saying very carefully. But here's what's cool. You you have been seen as and consider, considered as the real champion and ambassador for uh, young people and those struggling to find their voice or to find their truth, whether it's a mission or a calling or a problem in the world to solve, because it's now appearing. And this is not something that you can just create you can't will this you have by demonstration said everything is possible you can get through it all you're it's never too late to learn and it's never too late to try something different as long as you're connected to a real truth like which is bigger than you and so the idea that's been floated is you know what if steve became like this global ambassador for all people not just young people but all people that you can watch him here speak here or he's doing this where he's really inspiring people to find their true their true north the, the 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 means for being here or the reason to continue through does that intimidate you or light you up okay uh, one thing i want to say is that like i agree with you on the fact of of finding your truth for sure only because that's when when i first found my voice you know when we're talking about when i was a kid when i first found my voice it was the most powerful experience probably I've ever felt even to this day because I didn't think I had a voice you know when I was a kid like growing up I just I didn't want to speak up yes I was very quiet because if I did say something it just fell on deaf ears or I think more mentally I felt like it did you know that's the thing it's like whether it did or not maybe I'm sure people heard but as a kid I was like no one's gonna listen to me no one's gonna care what I think 
I, I don't have something special to offer. When I found my friend group, they all kind of felt the same way. And we're like, we don't really care anymore if anyone hears. Let's just yell together, <laughs> you know? And and then like, I see other, you know, with the great things I saw their bands that made me feel that like, hey, they're just like expressing. There's no genius in it. There's no like, I can't do that. It's too difficult. Like I wouldn't be there. That's what's important is that it's actually very accessible to just express. It's free to express. The tools may be expensive if you want to express at the larger scale, but you have tools that are also right in front of you to express. And that's the thing that like that I learned then and that the idea of doing anything is possible is yes, that is true, but you have to be realistic about what, what you're, what you're, you know, what is possible at that time in your life. You know, you can't just be like, I'm going to be up there. Anything is possible. And you're like, here, it takes time to get there. I, I actually don't, I never expected to be there. I never said like, I want to be there. I never said, I want to be there. I just want to be where I am in a realistic way in front of five people. I'm fucking happy about that. I don't give a shit. I don't need to have more. You know, it's like, it's about the people in front of you making that special. As long as those people care about what you're doing, that's all that matters. If it's one person, I remember playing shows that we, we drove, we're on this US tour, we're driving, we're playing literally to 10 to 25 people every show making, it was $5 a head. One, one show we made literally 20 bucks. We drove 10 hours to New Mexico played in front of like eight people, ended up like talking to all of them after the show. We just ended up hanging out and we ended up sleeping on their couch. And like, I got to know everyone there. Well, I hung out, but like, it wasn't a bad show to me. I was, I was like, all right, let's do it again. I hate interrupting you because you're the celebrity, but, but you may have hit the nail in the head as we've only got a few minutes left because I'm respectful of your time and the things you got to get to, like a nice bath and a, and a meditation uh, and all the other cool things you've got <laughs> But, But brother... Right there might be it. I feel like the world's got an obsession about results and it's got an obsession about more and it's got an obsession about the score and it's got an obsession about money and, and really, you know, getting really big. But it feels like what you just said was, hey, the results, no matter how you measured them, if you only looked at how much money we made, that was one thing. But look at the experience. Look at the 10 hour drive. Look at the time we got to meet people. What would you call that? Because that obviously kept you going. Why was that so more important, obviously? I don't know what to call it. I just, it's just life. It's just like, that. I just prefer that. You know, at the end of the day, you prefer that. I think you'll have a higher quality of life. You'll just have a, you'll, you'll have a like higher quality of life because as long as you love what you do and you just can't have like success all the time. You can't think like this. Like you can't think everything's a success. You know, like if it's not a success, it's a failure. Oh my God. Like, it's, it's like majority. I mean, if you really consider on that scale of, of numbers game, you're, you're 99% failure then, you know, yes. it's, yeah. it's, it's like, I mean, I don't want to call it failure. It's just like, those aren't failures they're, they're you know, it's that that's the problem with, if you keep judging based on, that's the problem with like Instagram and social media, you know, where you end up comparing yourself to someone else doing the same thing, but they have more. And you're like, wait, but I'm saying this, I'm, doing the same thing like why does this person have more like why is this person have more engagement or what whatnot 
I'm practically saying the same thing or doing the same thing. And it's like, you just got to keep doing you, keep the blinders on. I think it's important to look, you do your research of what's out there. It's really important to do that, but you don't want to get sucked into it and then fall into the toxicity of it, you know? Well, and that, and that brings me to, to wrap this up. Um, one of the things that you've said, you said a lot, you said, you know, just be present. You know, if there's one thing that if anyone were to ask me, you know, so talking to Steve Aoki, what was he all really about? What kept him going? I would say that I think he discovered his voice and it rocked his world. That when he did, he just became committed in that minute, in that instant, as young as he was to say, I want to live a life where my voice can constantly be heard by at least me. Because if I know my voice matters and to me first and only, and that's all it could matter to, regardless of my insy outsy shirts for four bucks with, with a $3 lift or the fact that I'm sleeping on a couch or meeting five people or making only 20 bucks per show, as long as I get what matters most to me, then I'm living a purposeful and present life. Would that be a fair assessment, brother? Yes, definitely. That's, that's great. Well, look, man, you were inspiring for that reason. So you know, for, for me, knowing that you're an incredible artist feels like you're coming into like a, a second coming. Um, analysts, analytics, and some of the infographics I've been receiving on our assessment that we did many moons ago with Doug, I mean, your team. One of the cool things is that the audience that you once performed for years ago is growing, but you're growing with them. And that's a lot about commitment. So in the final few moments that we've got, Tell us what matters most to Steve Aoki at this stage of his life. What right now would you say is your mantra, your mission? This is this is what I'm about right now. And, and this is what I can now vocalize, verbalize, put in words. This is my battle cry. This is what I stand for. What would it be, brother? I don't know if I have like a like this strong stance. I know that I'm adaptable. That's what I've learned. I'm definitely adaptable, you know, just through like business and life, you know, and, and especially during this time, a complete flip of what my life used to be, you know, where I always considered the road, like that's the most important thing that when I was touring at the level I, I was, you have to look at the uh, being on tour as your home, like mentally, that's my home. If you can't do that, you can't tour like that. It's actually a very difficult thing to say when you come home. That's not your home, kind of a trip. I would come home and like not treat it like a home. I would treat it like, oh, that's like, I'm on vacation. I got to go back, you know. <laughs> I know we're not, we're digressing here, but like, I just want you to really think about this. It's crazy. Like, it's hard for me to think like that now. Like, I'm at home. I love being home now. I'm, I'm a homebody. Like, I never really leave my house. I love being here. It's no, and dude, I mean, we and we saw that during the pandemic. I mean, it was it was the greatest pandemic in 104 years of recorded history, and you look like you had a blast at home. I mean, yeah, I just built, I built like my dream home. Like, you know, I'm like, okay, I made some money, so this is how I want to spend it. I want to build a foam pit in my house. I have a racquetball court. I don't play racquetball. I was like, we're gonna dig a ditch in the racquetball court, destroy it. Whoever buys this house after, <laughs> I can have racquetball for it. Uh, I build this huge trampoline in there. I build this rising thing, right? A riser so I can jump into the phone. I mean, like, I'm like, this is if I like, this is my life now. No one else is judging me. I don't give a shit. I'm going to fucking spend money how I want to in my own home. Like, build a ledge so I can jump into my pool. I, I actually had another pool. I filled it up. I built another pool so it's closer to my house. So I could jump in from the top. Like, I love this shit. Like, you know, this is going back to what you said. I think one of the big takeaways for me, when you say, what is your stance? The first thing in my head is to say that 
my I've become more free with my music. I become more experimental with my sounds. I'm not structured as far as making music for very specific things that I did before. It was very structured before, very structured. I would, you know, I had a full schedule. I would be touring. I come home, which isn't not my home, my home, but it's not my home. It's my studio. I come home to work, to finish my, my projects, my album, my EPs, my songs, whatever. Now it's like I'm freeform. I'm making meditation music. I'm making all kinds of different kinds of shit out there. Like I am just free. It's You're incredible. unhinged. You're untethered. You're untethered. I'm not, I'm not releasing this stuff. I'm some of the stuff I'm releasing actually under different names now. I'm releasing music under different names. I don't want them to know it's me until like if if it pops or something because I want it to stand on its own because it's not it doesn't sound like the Steve Aoki music people know. So. You might be listening to something that's mine <laughs> and you don't even know. You don't even know. <laughs> Which I think is kind of cool. It is cool, man. And that and that's the thing about you. And that's um, you know, from 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 YOLO and, and and the whole crew. I mean, you're untethered, you're unhinged. I mean, you you are one of the most compassionate people I've gotten to talk to over the time I've known you, uh, who's not creative, not just a genius, but you you actually really care. I have to say, and a lot of people here know this of me, uh, I've had the privilege and the blessing to interview a lot of people. Uh, and of course, before that, I talked to them from time to time, but you are the most present of them all when I've talked to. And we could be talking about trading cards or what's going to happen with the Michael Jordan this or what's going on with that. But dude, you are one of the most connected, compassionate and caring people I've come to meet and know. And, and uh, this world is an amazing place because of that. Thank um, you. It really, really is. Um, what, what are you working on now that we should have people excited about to look forward to? You got music in front of you. You got yes. beats working out. What you got going on? Yeah, I, I'm dropping a single tomorrow. If we're looking to the plug. <laughs> no way. Yeah, I got to drop a single. For, today's Thursday, right? Today is Thursday. Yeah, so I'm dropping a brand new single with Faruko. He's an amazing, amazing singer. Uh, is there a taste of it? Is there a taste of it within reach there? Is there a little... Uh, little, little it's my, I play a little of my story because I, I did a DJ set in, in the desert. Ah. to nobody <laughs> it's kind of cool so um yeah so yeah yeah Furuko is he's 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 a legend in the latin space he's crushes um so i have a that record coming out uh for anyone that cares about nfts i have my next nft collection um i haven't even announced it yet um uh, but that's dropping this month so that's, that's one thing deal. i could share that's like debut right here on the oh. richard dolan show Oh boy. Well, let <laughs> so me get in there like, first. It's it's epic. It's it's amazing. So, so in 30 seconds, explain to people because you got a lot of writers, authors, yeah. um, film people, as you know, technologists, uh, uh, market leaders here. And NFT NFT, how would you explain it, Steve? It's a digital asset, it's digital art, essentially, or non-fungible means it's actually I don't even know what fungible technical term is but it can't it can't be it can't be edited or indoctrinated it's 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 solid right. as a state of art yeah yeah so i that alone says what it is it's a digital what richard said it's it's basically like this let, let, let me let me explain people have a hard time understanding this let's talk about like the banksy print i sold for 10 million right whatever there's a banksy piece i sold for 10 million the more people have this print and know about the print it actually makes that Banksy print even more valuable. Let's talk about Mona Lisa. Everyone knows Mona Lisa, right? So obviously, it's a one-of-one one piece that everyone knows about. It's actually really small. It's crazy how small this piece is, but everyone knows about it. 
which yeah, creates this value of of what that is, you know, because it's all what we we value it, what the market values it. Digital is the future. There's 100%, it's 100% inevitable, in my opinion, that we'll all go digital. NFTs are just like a piece of the digital space that we're going into. Yeah. If you think about kids, kids now that play Fortnite, millions upon millions of kids that play Fortnite, they buy skins. They buy skins to run around the game and show off to people they don't even, they don't even know. They're like, I'm going to spend twenty dollars on this this like red vest, this red vest cool thing, and I'm going to run around and like a bunch of people I play with that don't even know me are going to see it, and I'm going to see it, and I spent twenty bucks on that, and there's millions of people spending twenty bucks on that. It's a billion dollar industry, uh, just for that. That's that's like a, that's like an NFT. That's like yeah. the the first kind of evolution of what NFTs are. But now NFTs are these pieces that are part of history, are part of culture, have a value to people. And I really believe we are all, anyone that's jumping in NFTs are early. I know that it's like this and it's like this, but the, everything's like this, like this. And it's going to go up like this again, you know, it's, but it's not going anywhere. But It's not going to go crashing to nothing. It's like, yes, it's going to go down, but just like life, it's going to go up when people climb in again. You know, it's, it's just how it is, how the, how the world goes. It doesn't ever go like this. Well, whether you realize this or not, aside from being an investor and being on the front line, you're, you're one of the co-authors of this new chapter. And, and in conclusion, here's what I'll say. I think NFTs or whether it's crypto or whether it's trading cards, I think that the way in which wealth is defined and created and saved by the future generations like XYZ millennial is being redefined right now. And, and because you're an ambassador for the culture of that, the cause for that, I think that's going to be an asset class worth investing in because we all now are learning from our generation, Steve, and younger, we are realizing that money's only worth the value we assign it. So it's like, well, where do I want to put my money? The old generation was, hey, this Rolex might be worth something. Right. But my son at 14 says, uh-uh, man, I got $20,000 worth of skins. I know I can flip for 60 Jeeps. Right. right? I mean, so on it goes. So I just want to say that, um, you know, without distracting the conversation, we can talk forever because you're just that kind of a guy, but I want to honor your time. Um, Steve, you're such a majestic man. I'm grateful for you. Um, I'm grateful for all that you're doing, what you're sharing from your music uh, to incredible film, uh, to what you're doing and sharing about your family, to your journey as you continue to reinvent who you are and apply your influence. But more importantly, those, just the way you're now living life on your terms and no one else's. Uh, keep being who you are, man, because you're lighting up a lot of people um, by observation as we all follow you. Is that fair? Thank you, Richard. Thank you. Appreciate that. I appreciate you too, man. So listen, uh, until I see you again, I want to wish you the very best. And I want to thank everybody for being here. Um, we appreciate you, Steve. Uh, of course, if there's anything you need, uh, I'm a phone call away. If it's financial, call YOLO. <laughs> I'm just totally kidding. <laughs> I love you, buddy. You be well. Thank I'll you. see you soon. Thanks, okay, thanks guys. Thank you so much. Be well. You. Good luck tomorrow in the drop. This has been Richard Dolan with uh, Steve Aoki on A Courageous Conversation, folks. And we're going to get started doing something really epic for him, thanks to Braun Studios and Google. But more on that another time, because as he likes it and he'll say it, let's keep it a secret until it's real. So on that (laughs) note, go be great, guys. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to Courageous Conversations with Richard Dolan. 
We're on all the major podcast platforms, and we appreciate your support by reviewing us. You can follow our show at The Rich World on many social media channels. We hope that listeners like yourself enjoyed this episode, and remember to subscribe via Apple Podcasts or whatever other streaming services are available, because we cannot wait to bring you more valuable content that can make a difference in your life.